Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you. I'm glad. How many of you brought a friend today? Okay, friendless people. Okay, fine. Um, I was talking to a guy this past week, and I said, are you going to invite somebody to Easter Sunday? And he said, oh, I always invite people to our church on Easter Sunday. I said, well, how do you get them here? And he said, well, I, I just tell him the truth. I say, you've got to come with me on Easter. You've got to see this. Our pastor gets up there and lays an egg every Easter Sunday, and you don't want to miss it. All right. Well, I don't know if you know this. <laughs> There's a lot of trivia out there, but let me give you a little more. August 5th. Uh, is International Traffic Light Day. Exciting, I know. Listen, before, even before automobiles, back in 1866, a guy in London by the name of J.P. Knight created the first gas-lit traffic light. Uh, eventually it blew up and they had to remove it. But fast forward 46 years in Salt Lake City, a police officer invented the electric street light, and everything has been changed since that point on. Let me ask you a question. What is your favorite traffic light? Red? Yellow? Green, you say? That's right. Red, yellow, green. I like green myself, especially when I used to ride motorcycles. I know there's a few motorcycle enthusiasts and friends of motorcycles here, but there was just something about that, you know? The light turns green, and I would just hit the throttle, and it would just thunder off, and I, the loudest motorcycle, if there would have been a louder motorcycle, I would have it. But it was just so much fun. The problem was, is I seemed to always do that with a uh, peace officer nearby. So I, I went to Metro Court quite a bit. Anyway, <clears throat> all that to say, the difference is, is that green light means something different when it comes to Jesus. Now, as far as red, green, I mean, red, yellow, green, and turquoise, well, they are colors that are... COVID restrictions um, here for New Mexico. You have red, which means very high risk. And so it's county by county in the state. You have yellow, which is high risk. And that means you can have 33% occupancy in a church. Uh, there's also green, which is medium risk at 50%. And then finally, turquoise, which is the other green, the best green, I, I think. You live in New Mexico, you know that, that we have turquoise jewelry and, okay, fine. Traffic lights, okay, and life are unique in that these lights and colors have become signals that update us to our current status, right? They update us to our current status. You should stop, or you should caution, or you should go. We do that in life as well as on the freeway and on the streets as well. Listen, but Jesus, my friends, when he was resurrected, Jesus is God's signal to us that things are opening up. Things are opening up. It's a signal for us to go to God, 
okay? It's a signal for us to go for life, and it's a signal for us to go for others. Going for God, going for life, and going for others. So that is, my friends, is what the resurrection is all about. You see, it's not just another religious holiday. There's a source to all of this. It began years and years ago with a story of a people group. It came from Abraham and Sarah, okay? And they had a family, and eventually that family grew up, and eventually they went into Egypt. And as they were being released from Egypt, okay, from Pharaoh's clutches, there was this one night that a death angel passed over, and if you had the blood of a lamb that was innocent, it was a part of your family, you put it on the doorpost, then the angel would pass by and no one would die in your family, okay? Well, this happened in Egypt, and God said later on, once you enter into your land, I want you to practice this every year. I want you to commemorate it every year and remember. You see, God is writing his story. Okay, you and I, we can write the story about our families, our lives. We can read general stories and histories, and they're all good. But God writes his own story, and he wrote it through the creation of the earth, a people group, and the promise of a Messiah that would once come. Because we celebrate this time of year as Jesus being crucified on a cross. We had Good Friday service the other night, and it's a very solemn occasion because we remember what he did, but it points back because he has the imagery of a lamb. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And you say, what does that have to do with me today? We don't carry lambs around. I mean, I'm not a farmer. I live in the city. What what is that all about? This is what it's about. God has given a signpost and signals all along the way. Signposts and signals that say, hey, pay attention, okay? Look over here. This is important. Remember this. Practice this. Make this a part of your lives. Every year, we have birthday parties for our friends. We have birthday parties for friends we don't like anymore, but just because we want to commemorate their birthday. It's important to us, right? Well, these signposts and signals that God gives us are very important to his story because God is telling a story with history and with real people. That's that's incredible to me, and that's why we celebrate this every year because it was a day in which everything changed for mankind. Mankind has been haunted by death, right? Sin. You think, well, that's kind of an old-fashioned phrase. Well, listen, if you think sin is just smoking cigarettes and, you know, I don't know, drinking and smoking and chewing and going with the guys or girls that do, I don't know. It seems trivial, doesn't it? But I, but I urge you to, ca- I caution you because I want to tell you that what human beings have produced on this earth is not some paradise. In fact, human beings have been the agents of most of the wars and death and murder and mayhem and disease. That falls on people's shoulders, human beings. Why do we hate each other? Why do we want to destroy each other? Why would we want to kill another human being? Well, God 
interjects himself into this story of a lost human race and says, I'm going to take a people group and eventually a person, my own son, and he is going to directly address this head on. And that's what the crucifixion and the resurrection is all about, okay? Because if you realize that sin, you've caused sin, you've done something wrong, well, you can ask for forgiveness of that, but you can't go back and fix it. That's the problem. You can't go back and fix it. Therefore, it's required that somebody will pay the price for that. That's justice. We talk a lot about justice these days. And so justice, as far as God is concerned, is that, well, you guys have really messed up the place and you're killing each other and hating each other and doing all kinds of really terrible things. But you can't pay for it. You don't have enough in you to pay for it. You have no ability to do so. And if I want you and I want to redeem you, I have, I'm going to send my own son. He will be that precious lamb that takes away the sins of the world. They celebrated Passover year after year after year until finally the Messiah came along. And when the Messiah came along, okay, he eventually went into Jerusalem. We read it last week, Palm Sunday. Everyone's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And less than a week later, there were crowds shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Don't let this man go. Let this robber, this brigand, this Sakari, Barabbas, let him go. You see... The world needs someone like him. And in God's story, in real time in history, God's hero for us is Jesus. That's why we sing the songs that we sing. That's why we do the things that we do. You see, Jesus, by being resurrected from the dead, says, okay, I've conquered death. I took your sin on the cross. This means now that you don't have to step away from God. You don't have to back away. It means that you can go to God now. Going to God. The light's green. Go. No more separation. And it doesn't matter what country you come from, background, accent, whatever you got going. doesn't matter. God says, now because of my son, I'm opening this up to the whole world because I want to offer people a chance to get things right and to do justice. God does justice his way, and he took it upon himself and put it on his son. Okay, the resurrection is a green light. Okay, great. But before that, there is a red light, and that is crucifixion. The crowds said, crucify him. Well, what happened he was arrested. Jesus was arrested. He didn't do anything wrong, but he had trumped up charges, and he was sent to a trial, a mock trial that really didn't mean anything to anybody, right? And then he was called to be tortured. They tortured him, and eventually the cross. And you think, well, that's just the way the story goes. It is. Jesus voluntarily came to do the job. Because he loved us, for God so loved the world. 
that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him wouldn't perish but have eternal life. That's what this is all about. But you see, this is strange and sick all the way and ironic and terrible as it can get as far as stories go. Because you would have the very creator, you would have the person who actually cares about his creation, who loves his people, coming in, and the folks who he came to in Jerusalem should have recognized him. They had heard the story, they had lived the story, they had the books, they were taught the law and the prophets, but yet they missed him. So much so that when he came and appeared before them, some wanted to make him king, others plotted to kill him. Now that's a sick thing, isn't it? To come, for God to come and say, I'm coming to help you out. And he said, well, I don't want it. I don't need your help. I don't care. I don't know who you are. And to mistake his identity and treat him the way that human beings treat each other. That's what happens. We send them to torture. Can you imagine what's in the heart of mankind that we would torture other human beings? Where do you get to that point? God's patience is powerful. But it wasn't just that. The Romans had the power. You see, the, 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 the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, were to take part in this because his people didn't recognize him and they plotted to kill him. So they turned him over to the Romans who ruled the world and the Caesar was God. And the, the, the problem with the early church is they went in and said that Jesus is Lord and they, they rebutted that with, no, Caesar is Lord and we're going to have to persecute you. But So they turned him over to the Romans and when the Romans got a hold of him, here's what happened. They beat him, they tortured him, they spat upon him, and then they put him on a cross. The cross is a very powerful usage of terrorist tactics. It strikes fear in people who are witnesses and see it. It strikes fear in their hearts and their minds because to see another human being in the Imago Dei, made in the image of God, stretched across a, a, a brutal, brutal mechanism, nailed, strapped down, and hanging there to die in front of a crowd. They had crucified over 6,000 prior to this. They didn't, they didn't mess around. And they were letting you know that this is what happens to you if you come against Rome. But here's the deal. God says, wait till you see how I'm going to work this out. What hatred and evil meant for evil, God said, no one takes my life. I lay it down freely, and I know what I'm doing, and I love human beings. What did he say to those who were destroying him and torturing him on the cross? Lord, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. Lord, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. Let's pause here for a commercial. Now, if you're thinking today, well, that's your great religious story. 
doesn't really matter, can't be true. Science has proven that it's not nothing. Listen, friends, there's a lot of information in the world. But this is the most compelling story I have ever read and has captured my heart and millions of hearts. It's not to say, we understand those who are true Christ followers know that it's not because the Christ followers are very religious and perfect. It's people who've learned to fall in love with them because they understand their weakness and they're thankful for the forgiveness and the chance that God has given us because we understand that we need it. Okay, here's the dark hour. John chapter 19, verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had been finished and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I'm thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked it, soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge in a stalk of hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it, it is finished, in Greek, tetelestai. Finished now with the effect that is finished forever. With that, he bowed his head and gave up the spirit. Imagine being in his inner circle. Imagine being the people who had witnessed him out in the Galilee, healing people. Unprecedented things that were that were verified by witness after witness after witness. All of this was to lead up to him being on the throne as the king, the Messiah, and leading them out of freedom from these brutal Romans and getting us back to God. Him, crucified, beaten, destroyed, dead, it's over. It's a, it's a red light. Stop. Go no further. Imagine that. My friends, let me just tell you something. God knows about those moments in your life. When, he, when you don't understand where he's going, you don't understand what he's doing, you have no idea, this doesn't make sense, this doesn't follow the program. But, but here's, here's, here's the issue. The issue is, is that we see things based upon our own perception. We'll get to this a little bit more in just a moment. But we're, it means that we're not able to see everything exactly as the way they are. It's clouded by our own perception. That is a filter for what we can see and what we can understand. But even though they may have felt that everything was over, it's not over. It's just beginning. After he had died, Joseph of Arimathea had a, a tomb nearby. And he took his friend Nicodemus, who had went to Jesus at night, John chapter 3, and they packed in 75 pounds of spices and all of this <clears throat> uh, wrapping, all of the aloes and, and all of the uh, linen strips and they wrapped him up and put him into the grave. Let me tell you a little bit about this. This will make more sense. Why are the graves made out of stone? Well, if you've ever been over to Israel, you'll understand that there are, it's a very rocky place. 
A lot of stones, a lot of rock. And so when we think of graves around here, you know, we've got plenty of dirt. Just go dig a hole. See you later. And not there. What you would do is you'd take a tomb, you'd wrap the person in, in spices to sort of uh, make the decay process more palatable. And as the, the, the skin would eventually would leave the body and decay, all you would have left are bones. And then you'd take those bones of your family members and put them in an ossuary, which is a bone box. And that's how they did it, okay? So you would be in there for a while. So they took him in there, but they had to hurry up because it was the day of preparation. Now, after this, after this event, who knows the full extent of what was going on in the disciples' minds, in the followers' minds, because they had seen everything happen to him. Imagine someone that you followed and loved and saw and had been, just been touched. See, all of these horrible things happened to them, and all of your hopes and your dreams <clears throat> die with that person. Imagine that. Imagine going through that. What is in their hearts and their minds? Well, that was Friday. But Sunday was coming. Sunday was on the way. In fact, we meet up with them in John chapter 20, early at the tomb. It's the first of the green lights. He's alive. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and when she saw a stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And he said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. And we don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the, disciple, the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He went in and looked at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Simon Peter came in, okay, and he went straight to the tomb, and he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, and the cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. So who's going to come in and steal a dead body and just strip off all of the linen, strip off all of the, the facial covering? Who would do that? So at this point, it's somewhat of a green light, but it's a mystery, is he alive or has he been stolen? As far as they know, he has been stolen. But something happened that was shocking. It was unexpected. You see, they were thinking, they were there looking for a body, not a person. Because the person that they knew had been so defiled into just a pile of human flesh that he was unrecognizable. That was the last memory that they had of him. And so they're just there. You know, you find this in uh, graveyards around the country. You find yourself going to a tomb or a, a graveside, putting flowers by a loved one. And we know that the person's not alive, but it's the place where their body was laid. And so it it means something to us. And to them, it was the closest thing that they had. I just want to be by his body. I want to be there. I got to go. And they were expecting a body. They were looking for a person. 
But all of a sudden, things change. All of a sudden, things change. That's the way it happens for us, doesn't it? You go through a dark time. You go through something rough. Right now, our country, the world, is going through a very challenging, tough time. Can anyone say amen to that? It doesn't have to be a happy amen. It can be like, amen. Yeah, we are. And, and you can read the Scripture and read the Bible and, and think, this is how God wants us to be, and this is what God wants for my life. Wait, where did this virus come from? Why is everything shutting down? What's going on with our political system? What's happening with our financial world? Where, where is all this going? I tell you what, whatever's happening, Jesus knows what's going on. And we may be looking for a body. We may be looking for death, destruction. But I'm going to tell you this, my friends. God hasn't left. He hasn't finished his story. He will complete everything that he said he would do. Every bit of it. And you can count on it. Because what they thought was the worst led to the best, which was the resurrection. You see, the big problem with humanity has been sin and death. And the death, it just, anybody here want to die? Don't raise your hand. We'll get you a counselor after. Well, maybe if you've been married for more than 40 years, you can say, I've felt like I've wanted to die many times. But we want to live. Why else would you go to the doctor, right? Why else would you go work out? I, I'm walking like I just, I've been trying, I've been working out. I guess I want to live. I don't know what it is, but it's really painful. <laughs> Feels like I'm killing myself. Well, you want to live? Okay. Okay. But something good comes from that. Because he says, look, I conquered sin. That is, I've done the justice work with the Father. It's on me. I pay for it. And if you believe and trust in me, good. Good. He said, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. You'll have eternal life. You'll pass from death into life. But also, with Jesus' physical resurrection, there is this idea, okay, that we too will have resurrected physical bodies, God physically finishing everything and making everything new and everything right. See, that's, that is a paramount issue with human beings. All right. It was a new day. Something mysterious had happened. The light was shining on creation. And what would start out as a mystery, my friends, would end up shining bright in the presence of the resurrected Lord. Verse 8. Finally, the disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They did not, they still didn't understand <clears throat> from the scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. But then the disciples went back 
to where they were staying. All right. That's the disciples. Bewilderment. We don't know. The next scene, okay, is with a gal by the name of Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, if you read through her stories and you pay attention to what she has to say, she was absolutely in love with the Lord. And if you'll see Jesus' interactions with her and, and her sister and other women, he, he gave them more dignity and respect because he loved them, because they were made in God's image himself. Whatever the society had said, God made it up in his own way, in his relationship. And so she just wanted to see him. Verse 11 of chapter 20. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him, okay? Streams of just tears coming down her eyes. Now to make add insult to injury, somebody's taken the body. She's like, the worst ever. I just want to do attendant. I just want to be around him. Now this opens up an answer, and it gives us some clues, as to why people sing in church, why people say that they love Jesus, and if you are not a Christ follower, you're just kind of on the edges and you're looking at it, it sounds like crazy people. It sounds like weird people. I don't know why you're saying, you know, you love this guy. Why do you do that? I'll tell you why. Mary Magdalene will tell you why. Because she said, I knew him. I spent time with him. He gave me dignity. He gave me hope in life. I felt loved from him. And I knew he was special. I knew he was from God. And I can't believe that anybody would do this. And why would they take his body? Now I don't even have his body. What kind of devotion is that? Is that just some crazy? No, no. This is a person who learned how to love God the way that God wants to be loved. A part of his story that we find in the Old Testament, especially in the Torah, is that as he is building a relationship with this new people group that he's called aside, he's said to himself, he's teaching them how to behave, here's the laws, here's what I want from you. There are some themes that that signal for us what he wants. Throughout the, the Pentateuch or the Torah, you keep hearing, listen, hear, O Israel, hear, O Israel. Hear, O Israel. Listen, Israel. And the other side of that is love. 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 God, in his message, says, listen and love. Listen and learn to love. Because that is an antidote to what the way that you're treating each other right now. I don't want you to be that way. I want you to learn to listen to me. I made you in my image. And I want you to learn to love me and love each other. What are the two greatest commandments that Jesus said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and soul. Second is likened to it, love your neighbor as yourself. These are commands from God. These are commands from Jesus. 
How don't you fall in love with somebody like that? What kind of evil are they doing to you? Hmm, follow my religion. I will capture you and take your money. Hmm. That's what God wants. Not the chaos, not the murder, not the hatred. He wants us to learn to listen to him and love him and love each other. And that, my friends, she did. Big surprise about to happen to her. Verse 14 says that this, she turned and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize it was Jesus. And you say, well, how did that happen? Did he look different? Did he have a suntan? I don't know. Pretty easy, though. I mean, your mind can, can let you in. It filters certain things. Like, the last view she had of him was this torn hovel of a just human being. And that's the, her last remembrance. And then to see him whole, I'm sure she didn't even recognize it. Didn't even recognize it. But the change would change. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? And who is it you're looking for, thinking he was the gardener? She said, sir, if you've carried him away, please tell me where you've put him, and I'll go get him. You know, but something happened. Seeing is not always believing. You know, I hear this phrase a lot. Well, you know, if I could just see God, well, maybe you've seen him and you didn't recognize him. How would you recognize God? Huh? How would you know? She knew him by a personal relationship. She had a relationship with him. And listen what it says in verse 16. He said to her, Mary. And she turned and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, don't hold on to me. I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go and go instead, okay? Go instead and go tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. You see, there's a little explanation needed here. Why did he say, stop holding on to me? Well, because... For her, this was a dream, perhaps, come true, that he would really be alive. And she hugged him like nobody hugged. My grandma was that way. When we showed up to her house in West Texas, we'd pull in late at night, get into the house. Front porch, back porch light would come on, and she'd step out, just a great old wonderful gal, and she'd say, get in this house and give me some sugar, young'un. And she'd grab you, and as she grabbed you, you would just kind of envelop and go into her body. <laughs> and you think, just to, and she would just hug you, and she'd say, I love you so much. And then she'd make sure she put on plenty of red lipstick and would just smear it right on your face. <laughs> I had no doubt that that lady absolutely loved me. But she was holding on so long, it's just this personal moment. He said, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Best way to understand this is, is he said, I haven't ascended to the Father. I'm not going anywhere yet. I'm going to. But what you need to do now is go. This green light moment that you're having means that you should go and tell the others what's going on and say that he is risen. In fact, she went and told the other disciples and said, I have seen the Lord. And she told him 
told him the things that had happened to her. All right. <clears throat> Green is go for God. Green is go for God. That there is no more barrier. That he says, doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, whatever it is, my story now opens up to the whole world, and I'm going to shine the light, this green light to go to God, to everyone. Well, I'm not really good enough. It's okay. I've already taken care of it. I've done justice here. Okay, well, I'm not, I, I, I don't really, I don't want to believe. Okay, good. You don't have to. You don't have to be a part of God's kingdom. Because he's looking for those who will worship him in spirit and in truth and who love him, not perfect people. You can't fool God. You can't fool your mom and you can't fool God, right? God knows. God knows every human being. He knows everything about everybody, and you can't fool him. That's why it's so good to just surrender and return to him and give him what you have. I've had to do that so many times in my life. I have been very thankful that God has borne with me all these many years. And I'm still delighted in my heart to be his son, to be a child. Because he even included me. And if I know that he would include me and say, go, you go, come, just go. Yes, no, green light for God. But a green light for God is also, the second point is that there's a green light for life. A life that can be free of the things that just wear you down, you know? You're self-conscious. Your mind says things against you. The devil tells you that you're a creep and you're worthless. You tell yourself that. You're tired of failing at the same things over and over and again. And you think, how could God or anybody else ever love me? Well, this defies it. And he said, because I created you for life. I created this beautiful earth for you to dwell in and to enjoy. Literally, it's a paradise. I mean, it really is. Except for maybe like Del Rio, Texas or someplace like that. It is. He said, I want you to enjoy it free and unencumbered. In your weakness, in your frailty, in your stupidity, I've got you covered. But I want you to listen to me, and I want you to love, and I want you to live life and enjoy it. But I, not only loving me, but I want you to love others. Loving others. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is our signal, is that things have opened up. And it's now our time to walk that direction, to go into the place that God's called us to. That's really it. And he says, don't just go for yourself. Be thankful for what has happened to you. But go tell others. Go tell others. And we say, well, you shouldn't do that. You're trying to uh, trap people into your religion. Get at their pocketbooks. You shouldn't tell anybody what to do. You should just keep your mouth shut about everything. Oh, really? Grow up. Who does that? Hey, buddy, 
I ate this good restaurant the other day. Phew, might want to check it out. Whoa, stop trying to control me, man. I eat where I want to, and I don't need anybody telling me where to eat. Okay, I wasn't trying to convert you or anything. Hey, have you seen this latest movie? It's just fantastic. You ought to go. Go with me sometime. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I have my own choice in movies. I don't need you chosen movies for me. You see how, how it, it's made to seem that if we tell somebody about something good that happened to go and tell others, that somehow we have to be ashamed of what? Either he's real or he's not. And if he's not, just don't say anything to anybody. Keep it to yourself. But if it's good and it's real, then tell other people, because if it's good and it's real for you, it's going to be good and real for other people too. This is not a hammer to hit anybody over the head with. It's good news just to tell and to let people know. you imagine people coming to you later on? It's like, were you, when we were hanging out, were you a Christian? Yeah. Well, I became a believer, a Christ follower, a couple of years ago. How come you never told me anything? I met this person one time who honestly told me this, which was so funny. Um, I had been talking to him. I was uh, younger. And uh, finally this person said to me, well, I'm an undercover Christian. I was like, okay, that's a first. That's good. That's really good. And they went on to explain why they were. (laughs) I thought, who sent you on this covert mission? Anyway, um, The point being is that stop letting it become a religious matter and make it a human matter. If you care about other people, recommend. Excuse me, I highly recommend Jesus. Can I recommend Jesus to you? I can tell you what he's done for me in my life. And I know if he loves me and cares for me, he'll really love and care for you. The resurrection of Jesus means go, go to God, go for life, and go for others. One of the words, the final words that Jesus spoke to his disciples that has meant so much to so many, he said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. He said, go and make disciples. Go. It's a part of healing the earth. It really is. That's his plan. That's his plan. Hey, look, I don't know where you are in all of this. But I'll tell you something. You should never be ashamed to step out. You should never be ashamed to, to go for it when it comes to God. Because really, it's, it's really just between you and God. And why would you want to miss out? I don't want to miss out on that. There's a lot of things I don't mind missing out on, but I don't want to miss out on Him. And you just shouldn't have to either. And right where you are today, you can just pray and say, God, I, I, I need forgiveness. I, want, I, I need you right now. And I pray that you would forgive me of my sins. And if you do that, he says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Who, whoever, who's that? Whoever. Whoever means whoever in Greek. It's whoever. That means you. And so if, if, if you want to step out and be brave a little bit, you feel God tugging you, don't resist. You won't regret. Father, thank you for our time this morning. How beautiful it is to be able to be reminded of your story that is yet to be completed. Lord, help us to keep our minds open, our eyes open, our ears open, ready to receive. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to live life to its fullest, to listen and to love, and to not be selfish, but to to share it with others. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.